Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, back on the air this week despite unprecedented popular demand. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'm just back from a holiday and with me in the studio tonight is Tony Kerr who really looks like he could do with one. Look, <laughs> I'm shattered. You look pretty haggard. I've been burning the midnight oil in your absence, so to speak, yeah. Burning the candle at both ends. Exactly. You really earned that holiday, Adam. I did, didn't I? Yeah, I mean, it, it was weeks since your last one, since your last trip. How was it? Yeah, it was all right, thanks. Yeah. Was it good? How was the holiday? Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> did we have a good time? Yes, we did. That's my favourite <laughs> rhetorical technique, yeah. asking your own question. <laughs> we should start doing I'm going to do that throughout the show. We talked about it before, I think, but yeah, I, I really like when people ask a question and then go, well, that's not for me to say. <laughs> yeah. Is Tony Kerr the most annoying person on the planet? Well, that's not for me to say. That's for listeners to make up their own <laughs> minds. Enjoy that. Yeah, no, I've been in uh, I've, I've been in America, specifically in uh, Orlando, Florida, the happiest place on earth. Did all the amusement parks. I'm considerably more amused than I was a couple of weeks ago. You know, Disney, Universal. It's good to hear. You name it. You know, if it's one of Disney or Universal, then then you'd be right. Kennedy Space Center as well. Is there a cricket-themed amusement park yet? Have they built one? Uh, not as yet, no. We could make billions, couldn't we? If not we really. Not in America. Can you imagine, like, the Hawkeye roller coaster? It'd be awesome. The, the roller coaster would be, like, the trajectory of, like, a ridiculous leg spin or something. Ian Bell's haunted house. <laughs> Kevin Peterson's haunted house would just be full of, you know, left-arm spinners, wouldn't it? Around <laughs> <laughs> every corner. What are some other cricket amusement park roads? You could have the uh, the English summer Racky Rapids, what they're called. <laughs> Racky Rapids? What are you talking about? The English summer water rapids. Right. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Rain would fly on you and cold wind would blow across. Jonathan Trott's wild journey would just be like a five-hour potter around a... <laughs> That'd be like real kids ride <laughs> you could meet some of the characters you know that you know they have, <laughs> they have the characters dressed up you know people in Lalit Modi and, <laughs> be there. an oversized Paul Collingwood outfit <laughs> wandering around character breakfast get their autographs an oversized Paul Collingwood would be quite terrifying that's the sort of thing yeah. that haunts my dreams <laughs> you, you mentioned the character breakfast I, I did do an actual character breakfast in Disney at Disney's Animal Kingdom before I went I told you that I was doing a character breakfast and for some reason you got completely the wrong end of the stick and thought that Mickey Mouse came to your house and just cooked for like four <laughs> that's people that's what you said, you said no, like, it's not what no, I said no, you said and I quote it's not like Mickey and Goofy are cooking me breakfast yeah which is true and I knew you were going away you know you are going away with all your family you, you know I thought like Mickey was going to pitch up at your place about eight in the morning all the stuff you need is cook breakfast and <laughs> cook it and it's, you know, as Mickey 
and then we just leave I don't know <laughs> well we wouldn't even talk to you <laughs> I think you took it a bit literally like you, you thought it was either that or then when I explained to you no it's a bigger thing you know it's a, a big hall lots of tables of diners you still thought that I literally meant that Mickey was cooking me breakfast so he was just going to be in the kitchen you know you wouldn't even see him Mickey just stressed <laughs> just out just a glimpse as the sort of kitchen doors like swung shut it's like you, why would they go through the, the hassle of getting someone in a Mickey costume to just stand in the kitchen and cook I mean, breakfast I high-fived Goofy but Minnie Mouse left me hanging which was a bit disappointing uh, <laughs> but yeah so that was good what else did I do I fed some giraffes and I poked a stingray no, you know all the usual stuff all the usual stuff American fair if you can get to the end of your life and be able to say you high-fived Goofy you know you poked a stingray and Mickey Mouse cooked you breakfast then you've done alright in life I think have you ever been to Disney World Titan? Once, back in the day, of course, went with my parents and their and some family friends. There, I was allowed one day, and it was at Epcot Centre, which was. <laughs> Did you choose Epcot Centre? I don't remember choosing Epcot Centre. Don't choose Epcot. Great, there's some really good sort of infotainment. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> yeah, edutainment. Edutainment rides. It was great learning about the bottom of the sea. Epcot is very much the Paul Collingwood of theme parks. It is it does a job? But it's not a very entertaining job. <laughs> no. Quite difficult to share anecdotes from theme parks people since I've been back like oh did you have a good time it's like yeah well I went on a roller coaster and then I went on another roller coaster you know there's not quite difficult if you're asking me what my favourite roller coaster was probably Manta and SeaWorld that's my personal my personal pick Adam's Orlando picks did you sticker it? Uh, I didn't I, I brought some stickers with me but I essentially didn't have the guts to put any up because there are so many like members of staff in these places. I don't think they'd hesitate to kick you out of the Magic Kingdom if you were found to be stickering the castle. They talk different over there, Tony. Have you noticed this before? They talk funny. Americans. Yeah. yeah. So like, whereas we say queue, they say line. Yeah. Whereas we say lift, they say elevator. Where I've got about eight minutes of material on this, by the way. Whereas we say film, they say talky. We say trousers, they say aluminum, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a whole different language. It's, it's a whole ah, new world, really. What the bloody hell is coming up on the show today is the one question that I'm asking at this point. Well, I mean, since you've been gone, you know, in the words of Kelly Clarkson, I think, <laughs> but since you've been gone, uh, England started winning again. The Royals have become IPL beaters. Yeah, we're not going to talk about the IPL today, and it's largely because, well, Royals then are top of the table, they're your team. Second on the table are Delhi, who are your pick to win the tournament. So that's a bit annoying. And hang on, what what was your pick? Royal Challengers Bangalore. And the Punjab, of course, is your team. Uh, and they are seventh and eighth, respectively. <laughs> yeah, it's not going so well. <laughs> so we're not going to be talking about the IPL today. Instead, uh, we'll be kicking things off with a discussion of England's test series in Sri Lanka. I know that that finished a little while ago now, but we haven't done a podcast since it started, let alone since it finished. Um, it was the only thing that anyone was talking about in America, let me tell you. you know, I'd be walking through the parks, Mickey Mouse would just grab me and go, has KP got his 100 yet? That sort of thing. Having said I didn't do any stickers, uh, I did make a cursory effort to promote the show because I had a badge on my bag which said, ask me about World Cricket Show. Uh, and quite a few people did, particularly people that were like checking bags. Like before you go into the parks, you have to have your bags checked. And so like the, the bag check person would often ask me about World Cricket Show. And I'd sort of enthusiastically tell them and then you'd just slowly see a look of kind of mingled disappointment and confusion just creep across their face. I mean, the sad sort of reality of it is that the World Cricket Show will never be as fun as Disney World, really. <laughs> we should put that on the poster. <laughs> Not as fun as Disney World. Yeah. Pretty close, though. Pretty damn close. 
And when we open that park, you know, we will be as fun as Disney World. The park that we've got planned. World Cricket Show theme park. We well, need to... got everything now. Well, actually, we'll pitch it because, you know, in like Dubai and that, the Abu Dhabi, they've got like Ferrari World, Real Madrid World, which they're building, I think. World Cricket Show World <laughs> would, be, would be a good name for Great a park. Name. We... Catchy. England. Let's kick off the show with our lead item, England, on which we discuss England. Now, in the space of a couple of weeks in March and April, England played out two intriguing test matches in Sri Lanka. The first test uh, in Ghoul ended in a 75-run victory for the home team after being reduced to 15 for 3 and then 191 for 7. Sri Lanka did really well to recover to 318 all out. Mahela Jayawardner with a quite astonishing 180. James Anderson collected 5 for 72. In response, England were pretty dreadful, bowled out for 193 with Rangana Herath taking 6 for 74. Sri Lanka were again in trouble at 14 for 3 and then 127 for 8. But another lower order recovery, led this time by Prasanna Jayawardner, who made an unbeaten 61, saw them through to 214 all out, which gave England quite a steep target above 300. And although they made a better fist of batting in the second innings, and at one point seemed very much on course to win when they were 233 for four, they ended up all out for 264. That despite a century from Jonathan Trott, six more wickets for Hirath. So Sri Lanka were 1-0 up going into the final game in Colombo, but England bounced back strongly, bowling Sri Lanka out for 275 in the first innings, despite another 100 from Mahela Jayawardner. In their first innings, England batted better than they had done all winter, um, with half-centuries for Strauss, Cook and Trott, and 151 from just 165 balls from Kevin Peterson, pushing them up to 460. And they bowled Sri Lanka out for 278 second time around, Swan taking 6 for 106. And England got to the target of 97 with 8 wickets to spare to level the series at one all. That was England's first test win in Asia, aside from against Bangladesh, since 2006. I missed the second match because I was in Florida. I don't know if I've mentioned that I was in Florida, Tone, but I was. Uh, so I didn't see that game live, but I've since managed to catch up with the highlights. It was a fascinating series, wasn't it? It's a beautiful part of the world to play cricket. One thing that it's really that it really has done is uh, made me want to go to Sri Lanka. Yeah, uh, big time. Particularly because it's pretty bloody cold here at the moment. Getting off the plane from Florida, I'm not sure if I mentioned that I was in Florida, was not fun. One thing leaps off the page really for me is that Peterson innings. Unbelievable. Blistering, wasn't it? I mean, it was. Swashbuckling. It blistered like the Barmy Army's skin in the Sri Lankan sun. It was so sort of out of context with the rest of the series as well, which was very absorbing, those those test matches. But it was quite attritional, the cricket, wasn't it? Very attritional, spin bowling, tight seam bowling, gritty, nuggety, Paul Collingwood-type batting. You know, even even Mahela Jaiwardner, who, who played some fantastic innings, they were very slow knocks. And then suddenly out of nowhere, Kevin Peterson just went and played, you know, basically a one-day innings. I mean, one of the great, you know, one of the great innings. Certainly one of the best... Um, innings by an England batsman in the last three or four games. Yeah, coming comfortably. It's up there in the last three or four games. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to, in a, in a top kind of top six list, it would probably make, make that list, wouldn't it? So a, a couple of reasonably exciting finishes to those games. A real pity, you'd have to say, that there was no third test because a decider in somewhere like Candy, you know, somewhere hot like Candy, uh, would have been uh, a real mouth-watering prospect, you would, have, you would have said. How did you assess the series overall? Was one all a fair result? Yeah, in a word. Yeah, Sri Lanka played you know pretty well in the in the first match, the match they won. A lot hinged on Joe Warden's innings, obviously, because you know you take those runs away, and their first inning score was pretty measly. But I expected England to go and win that first match at various points in the match. I think the target was three hundred and forty for a couple of hours. It looked like they were pretty well on course to do it, and then they just fell away. 
Yeah, when Trump and Pryor were batting together, it really did look like they were going to get there because they were progressing very serenely. Um, I mean, yeah, and that point, kind of at that collapse, you kind of thought, well, this is going to be, there's no way Sri Lanka aren't going to win the second test as well because of the way things have been going. And But for Peterson, they, they might have done. Yeah, I think uh, one all probably was a fair result. Both teams had one good game and one reasonably poor game. Although, as you say, England were very much in contention in that first match. And that's been kind of the strange thing about this winter is that the thing that England have gotten really, really good at over the last few years has been when they've got their foot on the opposition's throat is keeping it there. And they haven't done that at all because basically all the all four games that they lost against Pakistan and Sri Lanka, they had opportunities to engineer winning positions and they just didn't do it. But then in, in Colombo, they, they did manage to do that. So it's an encouraging thing for England that they, haven't, that they haven't totally lost the ability to do that. And their victory there means that they do hang on to the number one ranking. Uh, which is good news because it would have been quite embarrassing after all the fanfare when they became number one to you know not win a game after that and then just immediately slide back down. But do they deserve to to still be number one after this winter? Yes, I think so. On balance, I mean they're going to have to go and win in the summer the home series that they've got. They'll have to win those if they want to retain. Literally, if they want to retain the number one ranking, but also in the sort of the mind space of the cricket public. But yeah, a fairly creditable draw. In Sri Lanka, I think what happened in the Pakistan series was kind of you know, you, you, that happens, I guess. Well, it doesn't that often. Yeah. But do you, do you think it can just be but, sort of written off as an anomaly? Yeah, I, exactly. I don't think I don't. I, yeah, I don't think that's we're not witnessing a team who've just suddenly turned a corner into decline. Still no, I think something just clearly knocked them off their stride. I don't know what it was specifically. I mean, the feeling I get is that maybe it was just that, that first morning of the first test in the UAE when Saeed Ajmal kind of ripped through them, that they were just thrown for a loop by that. And yeah, I think they were just completely um, knocked off balance. Do you think they've got that balance back now? Can we can we say after one victory that they've got that balance back or, or would that be premature basically has, has, has the win restored your faith in the England cricket team no I think given that the next match the next test match they'll play is going to be in England at home to the West Indies they're going to be heavy favourites for that series and I think they're going to win 3-0 in that probably uh, even though West Indies are looking decent at the moment and you know improving you'd still back England to win it comfortably but when they go to India next winter even if they whitewash the West Indies and get a solid win against South Africa you're still probably not going to say you know, put them as favourites for that series in India. Well, I think that's uh, you know that that is a concern that, that England's top six have have struggled so badly against spin this winter. But that I think is what pleased me so much about the Colombo victory is that it was you know obviously executed by the bowlers, but it was set up by the batsmen. All of the top four batted well in that game, and it's at least a step in the right direction, isn't it? And yeah, I think it will give them a huge amount of confidence. And that series against South Africa this summer is shaping up to be a, a titanic clash you might say do you get it do you get why I use wow. the word titanic there topical Strong. topical reference James Cameron's going to be exploring it in depth <laughs> in 20 years so 120 years so in depth was that intentional it was I mean that's a sort of subtle genius that I bring to you <laughs> when we are designing this poster for the world cricket <laughs> show that says not as fun as Disney World the other quote should be Subtle genius dash Tony Kerr. <laughs> the su- t- Tony Kerr brings a subtle genius to the show. Tony Kerr. <laughs> We've mentioned Peterson's innings. He was very much back to his best there. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the uh, Sky pundits saying that you know when Peterson scored that century and whipped his helmet off, you kind of expected to see the skunk haircut underneath. An incredible a lot of controversy innings. about the switch hit. That was big. That did indeed. We've yeah, heard it. we've heard it all before. Well, was it Dilshan was running up to bowl and uh, Peterson was shaping to switch hit? And it happened, what, three or four times and Dilshan kept 
pulling out of the delivery and then the umpire warned Peterson for time wasting. It's a bit of a storm in the teacup to use a cliche. For me, the switch it should definitely be allowed. There's no issue with it. But probably you'd say the batsman shouldn't be turning his grip while the ball is running up. As he's releasing the ball, he can, but... Yeah, we talked about this quite recently, so I don't want to go into it too much. But while I agree that the batsman shouldn't be switching round you know, when the ball is running up. If you actually look at those clips, it, it's right before Dilshan's about to bowl that he does it. If anyone was wasting time there, I'd say it was Dilshan because like the switch hit, it's not like the switch hit is just a free pass to get runs. It's an incredibly risky shot to be playing. Yeah, and there's a so, really good opportunity to make a very good and very proud batsman look like an idiot. Yeah, exactly. The bowler, and they don't really seem to take it. Yeah, you'd think, okay, he's about to switch hit me. If you see that he's about to do it, bowl a different delivery, you know, fire it in quicker or, or something, change the field around, whatever. I don't see why Dilshan was, you know, felt that it was almost unfair that Beeson was about to do that. You know, yeah. see it as an opportunity to take a wicket. But yeah, so anyway, the, the, he unveiled the switch hit a few times and, and just batted really, really well. And that's, uh, you know, must be probably the most encouraging aspect of that victory because the big problem for England all winter, as we've identified repeatedly, has been the batting. And the big problem with the batting has been four, five and six. You know, there's been absolutely no runs coming from the middle order at all. Now, Ian Bell didn't get many runs in this series. Matt Pryor, who batted at six, didn't get many runs in this series. But Peterson finally did, and, and his runs in Colombo were very much match-winning. Do you think he's silenced the doubters now, or, or, or does he still need to sort of show some consistency before he, he does that? Yeah, I mean, one innings is never going to be enough, but he's, he's bought himself some more time. You know, he's, he's basically had the tab settle for him in Last Chance Saloon, doesn't he? But he's only, he's only kind of moved one bar down the road. Really. <laughs> he's in, I don't know. He's Penultimate in... chance. <laughs> yeah. Saloon. Another England player who was uh, sort of beginning to gain quite a lot of doubters coming into the series was... Graham Swan, uh, you know, with a few people saying that maybe Monty Panazar was was creeping above him in the pecking order, but uh, but Swan responded with a, a couple of astonishingly good performances, bagging sixteen wickets in the series, including two six-wicket hauls, which is a really pleasing thing from an English perspective. What do you make of the criticism of Andrew Strauss after the first Test defeat? A lot of people were saying, you know, maybe he was in last chance saloon. People are really keen to take players into the last chance saloon, aren't they? I guess, you know, there's nothing to talk about. If you, if you don't talk about dropping someone and bringing another player in, eventually cricket pundits get you know, a bit short of ideas. Not us, but <laughs> most of the other people. But uh, I don't know about that, mate. It's tough. It's a really tough one. If England carry on winning, I say carry on winning, if England w- have won this one and then carry on winning. <laughs> if England continue their sensational <laughs> run of form. Their sensational run of form, yeah. Uh, then I'd see no reason, even if Strauss wasn't bashing hundreds all around the place, yeah, I'd still see no reason to drop him because you, you do risk, you know, you risk unsettling <laughs> a winning side. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there were, there were signs that he was sort of starting to find a bit of form. Well, he made, uh, what, 61, 64? Yeah, he should have made 100, shouldn't he? Um, he really finished off the job nicely. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it was very important <laughs> innings in the context of the game. It, it's a classic case uh, of a story in the English press gaining a momentum all of its own. There were no comments from anyone at the ECB, but it went from the evening of the defeat, like a few people saying, well, maybe people should be looking at Strauss, to the morning of the next game, under fire England captain Andrew Strauss, defiant in the face of repeated calls for his head. And all that's happened is that the press have written a few stories, then read some stories that other journalists have written, increased their rhetoric for the next issue. I don't believe for a moment that there genuinely was any pressure on Andrew Strauss, but you know, for everyone's sake, it's a good thing that he uh, he won the game and made some runs in Colombo. 
Turning to the hosts for a moment, it was a somewhat bittersweet series for them. In one sense, you could say that one all is a very decent result against the world's number one side. You know, possibly a better result than they might have been expecting. But, you know, you're always going to be disappointed uh, when you surrender a lead in the last match of a test series. They certainly perform well, but I think as a team, they perhaps have a few more concerns than England do. You know, for England, I think the the majority of their personnel did chip in at some stage. You know, Trot, Cook, Peterson, Strauss, Swan, Anderson, they all, you know, they all did at least something. Uh, But for Schranker, it was a case of the Jaya Wardeners, Harath, Samara Weir to an extent and really not all that much else you know their top three had a pretty abysmal time of it none of them averaged above 15 Kumar Sangakara had one of his worst ever test series which you know credit should be given to England for that I think and then the three Sri Lankan seam bowlers who played in the team matches uh, collected a grand total of three wickets between them so so the result for Sri Lanka was was predicated on a few players whereas for England it was maybe spread around a bit more you know we were probably light on light on credit for uh, Harath before the series and uh, he went on to take 17 wickets wasn't it um, in hindsight we could have given him a little bit more of a, a talk up if he got 17 wickets then that's more than half of the England wickets to fall in the two games I mean still you you, you wouldn't say looking at him uh, looking at the way he bolts that he's a you know a side Ajmal wonder spin but then you'd say the same thing about Graham Swan and Graham Swan is a, a mightily effective test match bowler yeah we probably were a bit uh, we, pro- we probably did um, under talk up if that's an expression which it definitely isn't I mean the Here question I- on a lot of people's lips is your composite eleven. what went wrong <laughs> <laughs> that came in for heavy flag well I've actually revised my composite eleven for you a post series uh, composite eleven if you were backtracking so you, so you, flip flopping <laughs> so you can compare um, have a listen to this see what you think Strauss Cook Trot, Mahela Jaiwoodna, Peterson, Samarawira, Prasanna Jaiwoodna, Swan, Anderson, Finn, and Hirath. Finn only played the one game, only got three wickets, but when you've got to choose between the other seamers that played in that series, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's tough to really go for anybody else. Um, so you've brought you brought Hirath into that? No, Hirath was in it already. Was yeah. You so in? give me some credit, Hirath was already <laughs> yeah. in it. Um, I've brought in Finn for Broad. I mean, Broad got injured, didn't he? I've brought in Prasanna Jaiwardner for Matt Pryor. I've brought in Peterson for Kumar Sangakara. I've brought in Samara Weira for Ian Bell. And I've brought in Strauss for... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So you're still left with the same balance as before, which was seven Englishmen and four Sri Lankans, but just slightly different personnel. But quite a few players made both teams. So give me some credit, which is what I'm trying to do here. But anyway, what's going on with you, Tane? What have you been up to over the past few weeks? Uh, yeah, I've had a good, really good, yeah, stress-free couple of weeks. Done any funnels? <laughs> Don't know what you're on about, mate. <laughs> Gordon McRae, London correspondent Gordon McRae, tweeted me. 
the photo that Tony's press team didn't want the world to see. It's just you doing a funnel. I retweeted it. Well, let me explain. Allow me to explain, if you will. No, I'd rather not. Well, no, I took part for the first time this year in the Guernsey Easter Hockey Festival. Now, it should be is... made clear that you don't play hockey or have any interest in hockey. So I thought. <laughs> but actually, quite, A, I quite enjoyed it. And B, got a lot of compliments for my hockey. Were you playing hockey? Yeah. I, you, ugh, I, I don't even to, I know to, you anymore, no, man. It was all right, actually. You were saying this about rugby as well. Honestly, if the Tony Kerr of 2010 could hear you say this, he'd instantly vomit. But I don't want to see. But like, the Tony Kerr of 2012 just vomited <laughs> anyway from all the funnels. I don't want to, uh, you know, sound like a sort of self-help guru or anything. But I've just, you know, I've lost the hate, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I used to pointlessly despise things like rugby and hockey and stuff but now you know just let that just let that let that go it's just a shame because it did used to make me laugh quite a lot your uh, yeah. unfounded hatred of certain things like you just used to get inexplicably angry <laughs> about things like online poker <laughs> and everyone who played online poker yeah do you know what the time is now Tane? don't say dinner time i know that's what you're thinking got a question it's got a question time here's God. the jingle On this item, we say to listeners, have you got a question for us? And uh, if they do, then they say yes, and they send us those questions, and then we attempt to answer those questions. Got a question from Nick this week. Will you be getting into county cricket this year, he asks. Last year we said we were going to get into county cricket, didn't we? And then we quite spectacularly failed to get into it. We really did. I couldn't promise you. I couldn't promise you anything. I'd like to. I really would, but... Uh, this the point we made last year is that not living you know, in the county sphere, if you like, we can't actually go really to any matches. So yeah, not living it's difficult on to, uh, the mainland UK. Yeah. It's difficult to get enthused about, you know, when you watch county cricket on Sky Sports, it is desperate. <laughs> it really is. And I mean, it's not like there's a real dearth of international cricket going on. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Because, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're not kind of short of cricket. No, there's like ever. I can't... Very rarely channel surfing going, come on, I need some <laughs> yeah, cricket. No, I sit down and, uh, yeah, wax Sky Sports on. When it's like West Indies versus Australia live, I'm like, oh, God, I have to watch this now. <laughs> Otherwise, then, I'm going to be on your case. Exactly, because there's so much cricket going on there. So, no, it's a simple answer to that. Yeah, there's definitely a, a temptation for us, particularly, to assume that nobody cares about about county cricket because as you say we don't live on the UK mainland we don't really have counties we don't really have an opportunity to go and watch county cricket for me I've always sort of seen it and I think this is probably true for you as well that it's one of those things that you know it's nice to know that it's there but you don't really see it as being in any way relevant to your life <laughs> yeah. I sort of like the royal family you know it's like yeah I, I don't know I, li- yeah, I like the royal family I like the fact they're there I mean they don't do anything you know you sort you're sort of vaguely aware that they do something but you don't know what to continue that analogy you know like I say the royal family kind of pop over to Guernsey we'll, they'll send one of them every couple of years and we'll make a small thing about it uh, and kind of likewise you know some counter cricketers, cricketers will come over every now and then smash a few shots around and then leave that's actually one of my earliest memories after moving to Guernsey when I was a kid it was uh, of going out with loads of people and standing on the street and waving Union Jack waiting for Prince Charles to come past and then he literally just sped past in this car and you <laughs> yeah. can't see him. And then everyone's like, oh, should we go inside? Anyway, back to county back cricket. To back, yeah. um, for us, I think, yeah, we, we, we sort of kind of assume that, that nobody cares. But I don't think that's actually true. And in fact, I think that right now, county cricket is arguably in better health than it has been for quite some time. 
attendances at the county championship went up by 9% last season, which admittedly is from not very many to slightly yeah, more. 9% of But, you know, it's, it's still a rise and, you know, that that's not to be uh, sneezed at. The crowds are falling in the, the 2020 games, but there does seem to be a bit of an upswing in interest in the in the four-day championship. Crick Info also reported a, a massive um, increase in traffic to their county section last season. And just anecdotally from our experience, I think, uh, you know, we get a lot of emails and tweets people want to talk about county cricket so you know maybe we should maybe we're neglecting our responsibilities by not doing it quite so much but you can't say that you're excited about this county season I don't know I think the trouble is with any English cricket summer there's so England are playing so often that yeah it just totally overshadows it it's not like football where you know, you have your club sides and then the players go and they play a 90-minute match you know, every what well, international months. level. At international level, that is, yeah, for England. With cricket, you know, when they go and play international cricket, one, they're away the whole, pretty much the whole summer, and B, when they are playing, it's for five days at a time. So, you know, it's very difficult to pay any attention to what's going on in county cricket. I mean, you can. You can do it, but um, it's It's just... a big ask. <laughs> it's a really big ask. Particularly in an Olympic summer as well, you know. I don't know what we're going to talk about when the Olympics... <laughs> well, I know exactly what we're going to we're, talk about. We're going to talk about the Olympics, yeah. I think one of the reasons that I've often found it difficult to engage with the the county cricket is because the schedule is so messy. Now, the championship is played across six months, but there's a massive break in the middle of the season during what you might traditionally think of as being the cricket season. There's no championship cricket being played, which does mean that it kind of lacks intensity, I I feel, until the very end of the season. And then you've got the the 40-over competition, which has always struck me as pretty pointless. I don't know, would you get more interested in it if they sort of tidied it all up? Or is that just irrelevant to you? No, I agree. There's a bit more sort of focus, a bit more structure would probably be good. I mean, it's a recurring theme, isn't it? Structuring cricket is the impossible dream, really, for all of us. You can't do it, I don't think. I don't think it'll ever be done. It'll, it's only going to get more messy, not to be negative. Definitely a theme park ride in there somewhere, isn't it? <laughs> I think, you know, if, if major things do happen in the county season, then we will talk about them. We will talk about the, the 2020 final, I'm sure. We'll talk about the end of the county championship. But we're probably not going to be doing sort of weekly updates on the championship results or the 40 over results. We've only got a 40 minute show to play with. And I mean, there's literally no way we could extend that because um, we've got the producers breathing down our necks. Head office just won't let us go over time. We're already pushing ourselves. We're stretching the budget as is. <laughs> and most of the budget has been blown on Disney <laughs> World trips and, uh, and the like. Who's going to win the county championship though? You've got Lancashire, who are the defending champions. Do you think they can yeah, do yeah, it again? You've got, you've got Lancashire, you've got Warwickshire, you've got Surrey, you've got Sussex. You've got a number of other counties so in the first whole, division. Uh, let's have a look. Nottinghamshire are top. They're going to win it, I think. <laughs> Nottinghamshire are top currently. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a Warwickshire boy, born and bred. Less bred. <laughs> born, born, but not, not so much bred, yeah. So I'm going to go with my beloved Warwickshire. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what I predicted last year. You know that Brian Lara doesn't play for them anymore? No, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd gathered that. Lancashire, as I say, <laughs> the defending champions. Somerset are there. Durham, champions in 2008, 2009. They've got a bowling attack of Harmison, Onions, Plunkett and Borthwick, which is... Pretty formidable um, as championship attacks go. And Nottinghamshire are currently top of the table. They're probably my tip, actually. They won it in 2010, of course, as well you know. And they've added James Taylor this season, which could be quite an astute signing unless he gets picked by England. It's a bit of a dilemma there for Nottinghamshire, isn't it? Because you know they want him to do well, but not too well, because then England <laughs> yeah. will just select him, won't they? And you mentioned Somerset. They're going to be quite hard to stop in the 2020, I think, because they've got a very strong side for that former. Albie Morkel's arriving, and also Chris Gale. An opening combination of Gale and Triscothic is pretty extraordinary, really, isn't it? Yeah. 
Now, I bet you were wondering, Tone, did I get you a present from Orlando, Florida? I wondered, but then I found out because you brought a little bag. Oh, Maybe what? there's not a present in it. Oh, what, you just assumed? I just assumed. I you assumed, assumed that the bag had a present in it I for you. I was quite excited. Yes, you're right. I brought a little bag. There you go. Time to open it live. Handing it to you now. It's not, like, wrapped or anything. Wow. Yes. Yes. Fancy <laughs> <laughs> you like to explain what uh, it is. It's kind of a, a, a sort of thing of freeze-dried ice cream. It's space food from Kennedy Space yeah. Center. It's the food that the actual astronauts eat in space, Tone. Is it, though? Because do they have Kennedy Space, have Kennedy space Center on it? It's just like, <laughs> it like it says Kennedy Space Center novelty item on yeah. it. Also, I'm pretty sure, because I met an astronaut at Kennedy Space Center, astronaut really? Wendy Lawrence, and I, <laughs> and I spoke to her about it. Uh, a veteran of four space shuttle missions, including STS-114. And what did what, you say to Wendy? Well, it wasn't just me meeting her. Again, I've misled you slightly. <laughs> I was in a big uh, room full of people. I, I didn't ask Wendy a question. My nephew asked Wendy, how fast does the space shuttle go? Uh, and the answer was uh, five miles a second, I believe, which is quite fast. But, uh, but yeah, one of the questions was, what do you eat in space? And the answer was basically all the stuff you eat on Earth. <laughs> now, because they, yeah. they can deal with it now. They eat a lot of M&Ms, apparently. But yeah, you can you can still buy from the Kennedy Space Center space shop space food. Yeah, so I was, what I was hoping is that you might try a bit now, some freeze dried ice cream now. Ready to eat, no refrigeration needed. It's ice cream. That's crazy. Yeah, it's mental, mate. Right, I've opened it. Do you want a piece? Yeah, let's both have a piece. Yeah. The thing about this is that I've given it to you, and I'm like, yeah, I'll have a piece. I've had this before, and it's not very nice. Well, you've gone straight for it. No, you put it, mate. You put it in your mouth and let it melt. You don't just bite it. Oh, that's like ice cream. Oh yeah, you can't. Mm. Oh, wow. Pretty good, actually. That's weird, isn't it? Oh, there it is. It's melted now. It takes a while to melt. Yeah. Up until then, it's like you've got a piece of chalk in your mouth. That just, that just tastes like vanilla ice cream. They can do amazing things, these NASA scientists. Let's go again. <laughs> Mate, we've got a podcast to record. You can't just eat freeze-dried ice cream all the time. Right, come on, let's go with it. What are we going to do next? The side notes now, on which we discuss some of the more offbeat stories of the cricketing week... Uh, I've got a couple of side notes here. Uh, did you see the on the theme of side notes? Did it, did you see the the video I posted on the Facebook page of uh, of Sesame Street? Sesame Street explaining about cricket. Grover explaining about cricket. Did everyone see that? Did you see that? Yeah. Great stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, carry on. Carry on. Oh, what have you got? Dear, we're on fire tonight, aren't we? Slightly delirious. I'm really jet lagged. I really am. I don't know what your excuse is. Hungry, just, tired. Just too, too many funnels. And I'll tell you what, I just had a ma- <laughs> massive head rush there. <laughs> I'm just oh, really hungry. Jesus Christ. Every single week <laughs> is just us talking about how hungry, tired and or ill we are. And it, it's almost like a competition between us. <laughs> yeah. Who's more tired this week? I'm really tired. I cannot believe that you're more tired than me. Right, anyway, carry on. What have you got? What are these side notes? Well, I've got about 15 minutes of material on, uh, on the Sesame Street video. I've got a couple of classic side notes for you now. Okay, hit me. This one comes from a website called Crick Info. The article's called What's in a Suriname? It says what's in a Suriname, but the, the play on words is what's in a Suriname? Question mark. George Bailey's visa is the, yeah, answer. the answer. That's the answer. They've given me the answer. No cricketer can have gone to more extraordinary lengths to secure an India visa for the IPL than Chennai's George Bailey. Following the end of Australia's 2020 series against the West Indies, Bailey flew all the way from Barbados to the South American nation of Suriname in search of his travel documents. Having picked up his visa in the capital, Paramaribo, 
Bailey and his driver set off for the airport to fly back to Barbados. It soon became clear there was no chance of making the flight time, at which point Bailey's driver announced that he knew the pilot and would call him. Asked to delay the flight until the car arrived, the pilot happily obliged. But when Bailey reached the plane, some time after it was due to depart, the pilot insisted on having his photo taken with Bailey before departing. So that's what's in the surname, George Bailey's visa. I don't really get that, though. What's the gag? Well, because, you know, the, the phrase is what's in the name. Yeah. But also, what's in it's like what's in Suriname. It works written down. It doesn't really work when yeah. you read it out. Got another article from the Daily Mirror. From the nets to the cage, Adam Holyoke takes on the challenge of MMA. A retired cricketer, a former England captain. At 40 years of age, Adam Holyoke is embarking on an unlikely new career in the boxing and mixed martial arts brackets MMA world. Holyoke's debut MMA fight takes place for the Days of Glory promotion at Glory 2, The Struggle Within, slated for 5th of May at the Gold Coast Convention and Exhibition Centre in Queensland, Australia. If you're in Queensland, Australia, why not go? When I called Holyoke, says the reporter, when I called Holyoke at 8am his time, I was wary about waking him up, but by that time he had already been awake for hours. His busy day is focused around his family and particularly at the moment, his training. He said, "Uh, I get up in the morning about 5.30am. I usually do strength and conditioning in the morning and then in the middle of the day I'll do some running drills and in the evening I'll work on my sparring skills. Holyoke had a successful cricketing career, has a loving family and seemingly has nothing left to prove from a professional standpoint. So the obvious question is why is he pursuing a combat sports career? He answered, I think a lot of people are wondering why I'm doing it. It's something I've loved from a young age. It's a strange thing to actually like, but I've always had a love for fighting, not in a thug kind of way, but more in the arts and skills and all the other mental aspects that are involved. It seems a strange thing to go from cricket to fighting, but it's something that I actually enjoy. When Hollyoak was 12, he used to sneak out to go to boxing classes so his parents wouldn't find out. He avoided detection for two years, but a friend's dad inadvertently let it slip to his parents and the boxing had to stop. Holyoke is 7 for 1 as an amateur boxer, but this will be his first foray into mixed martial arts. The opponent is Joel Miller, a fighter well known around the Queensland area and someone who Holyoke knows will be a tough test. Uh, He says, I hear he is a taekwondo and judo black belt, which should make it quite interesting because they are the two areas where I'd probably be the weakest, (laughs) particularly kicking, which is obviously a large part of taekwondo. He goes on, I do have a little bit of a regret about not pursuing the fighting a bit more. Maybe during the off-season I could have worked a bit harder at it. It is what it is. I'm 40 now, but I feel physically better than I've ever felt. I've always looked after my body. I don't do drugs and I always eat healthy. So I'm 40, but I feel like I'm 30. There you go, Tone. Adam Holyoke, 5th of May, his first MMA bout. Is that something that you expected to happen? Not this, when I woke up this morning, that didn't figure in my plans for the day <laughs> to uh, discover that Adam Holyoke has got an MMA career. I've got no time for MMA, to be honest. What do you mean you've got no time for it? I don't, I don't get it. It's just pointless. Is it like the Royal Family? Is it nice to know that it's there? No, it's not even nice to know. It's worrying to know it's there. <laughs> the thought of all these bloody MMA people r- running around thinking they're cool because they're MMA people. And they're, they're... There it is. It's back. It's the inexplicable hatred yes, for things. I've still got it. <laughs> This time next year, you'll be like, yeah, the MMA festival was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. I think that's probably what I can only describe as it for the World Cricket Show this week. It's all over. It's all over, time for another week. What a journey, eh? It's been, uh, yeah, it's been a real up and down. You might say it's been a real roller coaster. I was about to say that. that down the tip of my tongue. Well, I got there first, so. It's been a real roller coaster. Yeah. You can edit that in before. I won't edit that in before, but okay. We haven't had time to talk about West Indies v Australia. Thrilling game. What's <laughs> gone on about MMA and <laughs> like Disney World for about half an hour. If I even had time to get to county cricket. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but yeah, well, that, we'll talk about that next week. There's a thrilling game in Barbados. There's a game ongoing in Trinidad. 
And we'll talk about the IPL next week as well. What's going on with the t-shirts, Tone? We've had a lot of correspondence about this, people wanting to know. We probably mentioned it early February. <laughs> While I was in Florida, I dropped you a Facebook message uh, asking you to sort out the t-shirts. And you came back and you said you were ready to, quote, pull the trigger as it's soon as I as got easy. back. The no, thing is, I used the wrong imagery because it's really it's a complicated <laughs> like 10-step process. Because you said you were ready to pull the trigger. And then from sort of talking to you about it since then, that just clearly wasn't true. I don't know why I continue to believe you. No, with no, things no, like no, 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 we Because have. I was genuinely like, oh, cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tony's on it. You know, he's on top of that. No need to worry. I've got my best man on the case. But I don't know why I think that because I've been let down so many times in the past. I think that's a classic case of where we both have a real tendency to just tell people what they want to hear. <laughs> tell them what they want to hear. If you're like... This happens, so this happens to me. This happens to me all the time. This happens to me constantly, where I'm supposed to be picking someone up <laughs> and I'm late, and they phone me and they say, "Where are you?" And I say, "I'll be there in five minutes," because I know that any longer than five minutes, and they'll get really annoyed. Yeah. So I tell them five minutes, and twenty minutes later, I still haven't left the house. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, if you tell them five minutes, they're happy. But then, bought yourself time to come up with excuses, more excuses, <laughs> and or don't provide the goods. And the thing is, you do that to me all the time as well, and I know it's what you're doing. But yet, there's still some part of me that's like, oh, cool, okay, five minutes. Because I've got a very sincere manner, you know. No, okay, update on the t-shirts. There's been a slight holdup with the artwork. That's, that's the bottleneck we're at, at the moment. Right, okay. Uh, you know, I've got dozens of lawyers sat in a room working 24 hours a day to try and clear this artwork. So how are we going to pay them? We're going to pay them with the, the, the revenue from the T-shirts. <laughs> it is actually going to happen, isn't it? Pretty soon. And you'll be able to buy them through our website, cricketshow.net. Uh, if you go on there, you'll also find links to our Facebook. That's facebook.com slash cricketshow. Press the like button there. Um, suggest it to your friends. Um, follow us on Twitter as well join the twitter revolution all the kids are on twitter these days aren't they twitter.com slash cricket show keep your emails coming in to worldcricketshow at gmail.com send us your questions forgot a question and let us know if you'd like some free world cricket show stickers as well just send us your address thank you to everyone who's who's left us a review on itunes lately uh we do massively appreciate all of those uh so keep doing that but that's it for this week until next time that's all from us here stay in school kids go back to school easter's over Fun time's over. Should be in school now, probably. Get back in school. See you next week, everybody. Tapes are rolling. Roll them. That's what they say. (laughs) Roll them. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show. Back on the air this week. (laughs) (laughs) He looks so excited. I just got really excited then. Back on the air. I missed that intro, you know. (laughs) I missed that intro. Right, go on. I'll start again. Carry on. They're not quite top of the points table. They've been uh, supplanted at the top by Delhi Daredevils, who, of course, are Rubbish. your pick to win the tournament. Rubbish. Second in the table are Rajasthan Royals. No, we won today, mate. Oh, did you win today? We absolutely...
dominated whoever <laughs> we played. Chill out. I can't remember who we, I've never seen you so passionate about anything. Last year, no chance of the rules. This year, 197. Two balls remaining. <laughs> but everyone's chipping in, mate. Yeah, no, we're We've not going to talk about this today, Tane. You know how when I said we're not going to talk about this today, what I meant was we're not going to talk about this today. We should think of some rides for that. We could have, you know, like Adam's House of Accent Horrors. Tony's... It's a similar, similar theme to... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking of House of Haunted House. <laughs> That's the only one you like. Uh, Tony's Haunted House, of course, would be a good ride. Tony's, uh, Tony's House of Prediction Horrors. It would just be all over the place. <laughs> Yeah, well, everyone stands in the street don't they, when Thorpe, the Royals Ian Thorpe, was, Ian Thorpe was here. Yeah, Ian Thorpe, and, yeah, Ian Thorpe, Ian Thorpe like, is an Australian sorry, swimmer. So you shouldn't be doing a cricket know. podcast. Cut that. You <laughs> uh, engineer winning positions, and they just didn't do it. Um, <coughs> it's not a sneeze. It's not a sneeze. It's a pretty good sneeze. Um, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.